Are you feeling really faggoty? Are you feeling really faggoty? Feeling faggoty, faggoty, faggoty. Slash gay show and get your free audiobook. Yeah! Wow! 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 Yeah! Yeah! Hey, Linda, yeah, it's a yeah. different type of podcast today. Oh, it's a vacationy type of because podcast. we're on vacation. I as feel it's like happening. I'm on vacation. It's previously Ooh. recorded. That's why I'm so happy today. I'm yeah. resting somewhere. Because you're, you're on the High Line. Uh-huh. I'm Skipping. on the High Line. You're watching nude people frolic in the window of the Standard as you go on the High Line. Who knows what I'm doing? anything you're probably <laughs> writing your blog yes. new dash every dash day.com yes that's where you can find out what i'm doing <laughs> i know exactly what i'm doing what are you what? doing i'm working at the food co-op right this second you are yep. you're oh. wishing that you were recording the podcast missing me is probably what you're doing <laughs> missing me are dreadfully. you listening are you listening to this right now i'm i'm working at the food co-op listening to myself right now are you listening to all the podcasts that you never listened to previously <laughs> which is a lot of them no of them? i only stopped when i had a child to be fair to me. Do, do, do. <laughs> what is it? Another living being that beloved, that depends on you for every single thing it needs? A little bit. Big deal. <sighs> what else? Sheesh. What a Debbie Down. <laughs> I have a blog. <laughs> uh, the blog that you have to do every day. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess I shouldn't judge, Linda. Who knows where I am, Martine? At, at location unknown. I bet Loc- you're wearing something sparkly on a stage somewhere. That's possible. With a cane and a top hat. Maybe up the cat skills. Well, <laughs> God, that, if I could get that gig, Linda, I'd be there. I'd get a top I'm putting hat. it out there. Poconos, maybe? That would Poconos, be great. Poconos, the peak skills. I used to go to the Poconos when I was a baby. Opening for aging female comedian, Livia Goldman, is Johnny the Gay Pimp McGovern. Oh, how are you doing tonight, folks? Oh, God, I was beaten off in the bushes early, and boy's my cock tired. <laughs> I bet there's a gay one out there. You're right. That's the material oh, I would oh, do. Okay. <laughs> my classic, I've been beating off in the bushes routine. <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> well, y'all, it's not a regular gay pimping with Johnny McGovern today because we are on vacation, but we are presenting a very special series of podcasts mm-hmm. called The Best of Gay Pimping Interviews. Plus Ooh. new stuff. The, the title is uh, what it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
So all the interviews that we've done, we've done some interviews with very interesting people. Very oh, interesting yes. people. And today and this whole month, we're going to be uh, introducing our favorite ones. Yep. Okay. Not to say that if your episode didn't get included, that you're not one of my favorites. Because we have interviewed pretty much everybody. Well, you know, not at least everybody. everybody that we like. Right. In the local vicinity. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so today is a special little episode of that, Linda. Okay. Legends edition. Oh, can we hear some classy music? Oh, yes, please. Or maybe some fierce music. Because our guests today, Linda, are both classy and fierce. Oh! And they each personify that quality. Well, who, who, who? And they both have a little bit of the other in each other. Because oh. one's classy but fierce, and one's fierce but classy. classy. <laughs> I, who are these amazing this, guests? This is a very good riddle, I have to say. I, can't, well, I haven't been able to guess, you and, and I know it? who the interview people hmm. are. Well, I figured today for the special Legends edition okay. that I would pull out two of my favorite interviews. One from a while back, and one kind of from recently. Okay. One of them is... Thank you, driver. A very special artistic gentleman, the man who, I mean, he's a classic artist, mm-hmm. did the artwork for Gaze Gone Wild, but that was one of his lower profile projects. <laughs> he's drawn everyone from Dinah Washington and Eartha Kitt to the Bellamy guys. I'm talking Lucas and Johan. And he has just an amazing life story. And I thought the interview that he gave us about oh. his life story was not only soothing to listen to, mm. because his voice, his dulcet tones... Um, but his story is so inspirational, just in general. This is one of my favorite interviews we've ever done, and um, he's one of the nicest men I've ever met in my he life. He is. One of I the greatest love men. him. He really is. He's a special, special person. Bon vivant. Yes, and such a cool person. Anyway, you're going to know Jack all about him. If you don't know who I'm talking about, then you haven't been listening to this podcast very long. Mm-hmm. Well, but you're getting for a treat today, my friends, mm-hmm. because today I am going to be playing my favorite interview we did with Mr. Robert W. Richards. Uh, it's a great one. It's from, I think, pretty early in our run, Linda. Yes. We were still back in the old place that's now a pet grooming place. Yes. The old Bedford studio when we were in Whitey Town uh-huh. before we went to the Waitland, mm-hmm. the Wasteland. I like the Wasteland still. It's roomy. Yeah, it's fun. Well, uh, Martine, are you ready? I'm ready. To take us back in time? I'm ready. Fire up the time machine, Martine. Is it the time machine from Back to the Future 3? Yep. The steam locomotive. It's, a, it's green. <laughs> it's a green time machine. <laughs> All right, here it is. Robert W. Richards! Yay! Hard time, sweetie. But I guess mother's got to make it. Okay, everybody. Gay icon. Gay icon. Gay icon. icon. One of our favorite people in the whole world is here right now, the famed illustrator, Robert W. Richards. And I'm glad to be here. We're glad you're here. You actually listen to the podcast, too. I do. What a delight. I'm hooked. Oh, fantastic. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Because I, you you could listen to anything you want. You could hang out with famous rich people. I could. But instead, you enjoy our <laughs> podcast. 
But now I want to start inviting rich people over to listen to it with mm. me. Oh, my friend, yeah. I like your thinking. Yes. <laughs> well, I called Liza and we fired up iTunes. Uh, we're hoping that Richard J. in Ma- in, Ma- in Maui is listening to the show with Barbara. Is he in Maui? Or at least he was last time he I was. talked. Oh well, you know they come and they go. They're jet yes. setting. Yeah. Robert W. Richards is, is besties with Richard J. Alexander, yes. number one mentor. Exactly. Yeah. God bless him. Now, Robert, you like Banana Boy have a very inspirational beginning story. I do. Where you're a little boy in Maine. With and, a, and tell me a little bit about the beginnings of well, Robert W. People never believe this. However, the Times just ran a story on this, so look it up. Okay. I lived in a small town in Maine that was French-speaking. We went to school in French. We spoke French. We listened to Canadian wow, wow. radio. How sophisticated. Well, not really. No? Because Bonjour. we were living in it's America. So, it sounds extremely sophisticated, but probably not. No, we were in America. We knew nothing. <laughs> we couldn't communicate with anyone except the dreary people in our neighborhood. Oh, gosh. And, uh, you so know, you grew up as a baby speaking French? Oui, certainement. Oh, but Canadian so French, which is really the most hideous language <laughs> on the face of the earth. Gutter French? Yeah, it's worse. Mm. I mean, really, when I go home now, my, my mother is still there, it's painful for me to hear it because, you know, uh, having worked in Paris and all of that kind of stuff, I had to relearn French or be like a freak, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there I was, this isolated child living in a house, you know, four sides, no view, nothing. And I wanted things, but I didn't know what. You know? <laughs> what do you want? What are you supposed to want? Paint the house gold or do something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, And poverty was very much an issue in all of this, of course. So, New York, you know, that was my consolation uh-huh. all through it. New York. The idea. Yeah, the concept. Just, yeah, elevators, mm. big buildings, mm. uh, swanky. Ladies in suits. Nightclubs. Mm. Uh, all that. Men. Yes. Hello. Yeah, man. Hello. So, uh, you know, I just started worming my way through, and then I got sick. And, uh, you know, it was like primitive medical care. How old were you at the time? Oh, about eight, maybe. Uh-huh. And I had pneumonia, and then pneumonia, and then pneumonia, you know, and it kept getting worse and worse. But all the time I was reading. So when I went back to school, they put me ahead a grade, and then ahead a grade, and then ahead a grade. So then I wound up going to high school at 11. Wow. With like 17-year-old seniors. Holy moly. And uh, it was really crazed. I know, bet it was. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was a child, like, you know, in gym, you know. I was. Oh, like, my goodness. Yeah. You the know, locker room must have been like a, a real buffet for an 11-year-old. Well, kid. I was Dick Height. <laughs> just the right height. But I didn't know any of this. Right. And so it was just an awful time. Ugh. And, you know, as I was going through and going through... I kept thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to be just over 14, 15. What am I going to do? It was a factory town, speaking French. Mm -hmm. And uh, I discovered one day at the library, you know those sticks that have the newspapers on them? Yeah, yes. My saviors, those sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Because I picked one up, and it was the New York Times, and so I started looking at the theater things and fashion things, and you know, Mm, what what would you want me to look at? Right, of course. So, 
uh, one day, I was going through the magazine, I found at the back that there were all these art school ads mm-hmm. and ads for specialized education and stuff. So I started thinking, well, hmm. So I started writing letters to these people and doing little drawings on yellow lined paper of like wow. a dog, <laughs> 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 whatever, and mailing them away. And pretty soon I started getting letters back. Now I was ready to graduate high right. school. I had At this, 15, right? Yeah, and I had this factory life ahead of me or nothing. Right. You know, suicide seemed inviting. <laughs> Compared to the factory, I bet it did. Impossible. So uh, eventually they started offering me, uh, they kept saying, send more, send more. And I never told them how old I was. And I started getting scholarships. Now, all the time, my parents didn't know about this because I was running to the mailbox because I knew they would kill me. Mm-hmm. Smart you know? thinking. Yeah, because they had this attitude, you know, to anything that you aspired to of, well, this isn't good enough for you, mm-hmm. which had nothing to do with, I mean, I, I wasn't advanced enough to think this wasn't good enough for me. I just knew that I had to go somewhere, do right. something. I wasn't condescending to my parents. Right. You know, live your life, I'll live mine. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I went to, off to school, to Boston. To Boston University, the museum school, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Fancy. And uh, when I got there, they were a little frightened, you know, <laughs> surprised. Hello. <laughs> Where's your dad? Oh, bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> no, I can speak English quite well. But anyway, uh, I had found great consolation in music as a kid, you know, once I discovered the kind of music that I liked other than Canadian radio. Right. And so when my parents drove me, to my first day, you know, the next day would be school beginning, and I was living in a rooming house, which was very near Symphony Hall. Mm-hmm. And when we went past Symphony Hall, there was a big placard in front that said, Tonight, Jazz at the Philharmonic. And I had 25 bucks that I had received for graduation that I had tucked away somewhere. So as soon as my parents left, I ran and bought myself like a $2 ticket to this mm-hmm. thing. And I was out of my mind with joy, you know, like, oh, I'm here, the big time. So at intermission, I started wandering around looking at the people, and this guy came up to me and said, are you alone? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, would you like to have a drink after the show? <laughs> Wow. And I said, why? Well, Classy I, chicken hole. I said, I, I, I can't drink. I'm, I'm only, you know, 15. Magic word. And he rubbed his hands together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. 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 Now, he was actually a refined pederast. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> wonderful. Delightful. So he said, well, we could I'll go. i Shirley Temple. Yes. He said, he said something like that. We could just have a, you know, soft drink. I said, no, I'd like to go to a nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we went. You got Moxie, Moxie. We went, and he walked me back, you know, to this rooming house. And we sat on the stoop. And he said, well, would you like to go to the movies one night this week? And I said, well, of course I'd like to go to the movies. I, I love the movies. This sounds like <laughs> suddenly you just came to Fantasyland. You got jazz. You got a guy All buying in one night. Stuff. All in one night. And I went to a nightclub. So he never made a move on me, and I think that he was waiting for me Mm -hmm. to make the move. And he was a handsome, tweedy kind of guy, you Mm. know, totally belonged in Boston, you know, MIT and all that sort of thing. So that was sort of the beginning of my adventure. Big gay adventure. Yeah, that was my first adventure. 
And I kind of cherish it to this very day. It does sound like a special beginning. Yeah. And look where you've come from there. Now, you started, now you've really developed such a really amazing style, which I feel is distinguishable from anything else that you oh, see. Like, thank you. So, wh- when did that, how did that start? When did you start really? I mean, obviously, you were drawing all through school and through museum school. Always. But how, what was the sort of evolution of that? And what did you, what were you started drawing? When you got out of school, would you move to New York? Or, or no, tell no. me a little bit about no, the evolution. I, when I was in, in school, in, in the art school, uh, I was way too young to do that. I mean, you know, I was sitting in front of a cast drawing a foot all morning. Right. You know, I wanted to live. I wanted to be free. Right. So uh, I started not going to school. Fuck the scholarship. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm free. I, I can pay my own way. So uh, I started going, you know, with little drawings to the shops. You know, when you when you don't know anything, right? You just go. You, you do, do everything. You, you do don't everything. think nothing's inappropriate because you don't yeah, know what's appropriate. Because you you don't visualize being thrown out into the uh-huh. street or anything. So you just do it because you're innocent. Mm-hmm. That's a good word, innocent. It's it, there's strength in innocence. So anyway, uh, I started going to shops and I started getting little jobs and. Uh, Pretty soon I was making my own living. You know, I was like 16 and a half, 17 years old. So I have actually never done anything but draw. I've never made a dime doing anything but drawing. I've never been a waiter, a babysitter, or nothing. Just that. A little writing, you know, but only connected to my drawing. Mm -hmm. So it's been very weird, you know, in a way, to find yourself that young. Yeah, lucky you. It's magical. Yeah. I was a babysitter. Yes, you were. <laughs> and you Linda sure James was. was a waitress. You were a babysitter. No, I was never a waitress. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. You'd have been a fine one, though. What uh, do you, Linda James would have been like slinging hash and be like, what do you want, fellas? Uh, not like, not that's that a man. Young. Not the, that young. With the best pocket handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> and a push-up. Uh, hello. Yeah. So how did Some you get pumps. into drawing like fashion and you draw, draw like so, much fam- so many famous yeah. people? Where did that well, start Well, I'll tell you a very out? funny story. One day, I, I I also did a little window display, which I do associate with drawing. So I yeah, still art- artistic still and thing, style. Yeah. And I was working in a fine, swanky shop on on Newbury Street, which mm, is kind of the Madison sure Avenue of, of uh, Boston. And uh, all of a sudden, I was in the window. You know how you're locked in; mm-hmm. it becomes like a little cage, right? And I was in doing my little puffing and huffing with the dresses and stuff. <laughs> and and uh, I heard this ruckus behind me, and. Uh, I was curious, and I opened the door, but there was nothing to be seen. And all of a sudden, a woman came barreling out of the door, a black woman, which was unusual. And she was standing on the sidewalk, and she was beside herself with anger and rage. And I, of course, recognized instantly that it was Dinah Washington. Wow! The Queen of the Blues. The Queen of the Blues. And she had plenty of reason to sing him that morning. because of difference. Yeah. A day made Twenty-four little hours Bought the sun and the flowers And it was right at that time. Wow, that was when she was a super, super superstar. Yeah. 
and she was thin. Mm. She had lost like 500 pounds. Yeah, she um, looked. There was some gorgeous Diane <laughs> Washington pills. stuff at that time. Yeah. So, the, the, the old-timey diet pills. Speed. Speed. <laughs> so I recognized her and went out into the street and said, what happened? And she said, well, you know, it was a little salon, you know, the kind of store. That, I don't know if they have Boutique style. Well, they don't. Where they had models come out and show you the clothing no, on their they, bodies? No, all bitches come out with a hanger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but close enough, you know, but nothing displayed, you know, just uh-huh. accessories. Oh, right, right. And they bring it out for yeah, you. Yeah, they bring it out. Fancy. And, of course, they thought, you know, well, like she's going to buy something. So anyway, I went out and I said to her, what happened? And she told me, and she said, look, I'm opening tonight here, and my luggage was lost, and I need some stuff. So I said, well, come back in. The owner of the store isn't, you know, too prejudiced. <laughs> right. At that time, certainly. And it's not too prejudiced. <laughs> They'll still take your money. Don't ask for credit. Right. But anyway, so... Uh, he can be talked into selling you goods for money. Yeah. So we went in, and indeed, she found some things, and she invited me to the opening that night, and I went, and she said, oh, you can come tomorrow night. So every night during that engagement, I went. Wow. And at the end of the engagement, she said, what are you doing next week? And, you know, she was really a character. I mean, all, everything around her was violent and crazy and insane and doped up and uh, things that I knew very little about. Right. And totally open to watch. <laughs> to be, to dry them off. <laughs> this was just what I wanted to see. So uh, I said, well, nothing. She said, well, well, we're going to Vegas. Why don't you come to Vegas? Wow. Okay. <laughs> that sounds so great. So I said, well, I have a job. And I, you know, have to do a little thing. And she said, "Well, what does it pay you?" So I mean, it was some ridiculous amount, like forty-eight ninety-five a week. Right. <laughs> so she said, "Oh, I'll, I'll give you twice that." Wow! So that just to go with her? Yeah. So the end of that week, I just packed a little duffel, a little Samsonite suitcase, and left everything and went. And I never went back. That is amazing. I never went back. That's a great story. That's an inspirational story alone. That is. That's a story that little Johnny McGovern would have fantasized would have become his life. Yeah, and that banana boy can learn a few things from it, too. He sure can. (laughs) Be nice to black ladies. So uh, that was the beginning of the madness. But all through it, I never forgot what I was supposed to be doing. You know, so I just kept drawing and working. And, and you drew Dinah Washington. I drew Dinah Washington. And, you know, one after another. One thing leads to another. Now, who are some of the big... One queen so of the blues leads to, to another. another queen of the blues, because they talk to each other. Yeah. Who's, who are some of the luminaries that you've drawn from oh, that period or from, God. you know, some well, of your highlights? I mean, I know it's everyone pretty much and their mom. From that period. Sina- or just... Sinatra. Really? Uh, Scary, really. Um, Peggy Lee. Peggy I Lee. love Peggy Lee. Scarier. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Scarier. I mean, that was without a doubt the craziest white woman ever in the history <laughs> of the world. <laughs> Linda James' spiritual mother. I love Peggy Lee so much. <laughs> you know, Peggy Lee was great. You know, and she could perform Never and snap her fingers. And I, and that's I, all I, she did. I went into a kind of thing where I was going to do a project with her, and we did it. It's a long, boring story, but uh, it was a disaster, of course. But the amazing part to me is that I never lost respect for her work. Even though she was crazy. Yeah, Yeah. and mean, and, you know, blonde. (laughs) All of those things. But it just taught me a lot about critical faculty, you know, of being able to divide the artist from the art, and, Mm -hmm. you know, 
to look at the real thing. And with her, what mattered was she was Peggy Lee and she was great. And, and if she, she was a crazy bitch on the side, you still matter. like her stuff. It didn't matter, you know what I mean? Just get out of yeah. her way and go home and put on a CD and right. shut yeah. up. You know? yeah. That is something that you have to develop in this industry. Sure, because God forbid you meet someone you love and they treat you like shit and then you can't like their <laughs> records anymore. But you right. have to still like the records if the records were good. That's yeah, the right. problem. You know? But many times the records weren't good, so you can hate them. Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Screw them all. You know, I never want to speak to them again. <laughs> So then you also you you got into drawing like porn stars. It was first yeah. starting with Joe Gage, right? Yeah. Well, I, fr- I first had many years of drawing just fashion. Fashion. Oh, right. And you went to Paris, which is very close to porn. Actually, right. <laughs> making you know, everything look fantastic and yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That even if it's it, not, it's all lies and it's people uh, <laughs> seduction. People selling themselves for very little mm-hmm. or a whole lot, mm-hmm. you know, depending on. And then yeah, then. Uh, one day a friend of mine was opening up one of these little uh, guides, you know, it was a new idea at the time, what became HX and Next, although not specifically those two publications. Right, but an but early that early version of, of a fag yeah, rag. It was called Top Man. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. And I would like to peruse. Uh, yes, it's, I still have some issues. So <laughs> We'll come over and watch. Sometimes we get to go to Rob Richards' house and it's really like a dream. It is like a dream. A lot of stuff there. There's a lot of like fashion <laughs> books to the ceiling. Uh, lots of NYU students whose parents pay their bills walking around right. the hall. Walking around. In and out. So anyway, uh, where was I? Joe Gage. Joe Gage. So uh, this friend of mine who was opening this magazine called me and asked me if I would like to review Nightlife. Mm-hmm. And I said no. You know, cabaret and all that, you know. And uh, he was very surprised that I was negative about it. He said, you know, you didn't give it a chance, why don't you? I said, I just don't want to do it. I know a lot of singers and a lot of people, and if I go to one of these things, I just want to go. Mm-hmm. And, right, you don't have to write about it. If yeah. you don't like it, say it. And Plus, the New York Times does it and did it better, mm-hmm. and they have a shorter jump. You know, they can do it the next day, and I didn't want to write about shows, circuses that had left town, you know. Right. <laughs> What's the point of that? Look what you missed. So, it was great. It was great! Yeah, but you weren't there. I'm sorry. So, sorry. so uh, a couple of weeks later, he called me, and he said, you you know, what would you do? What? what? And I'm, believe it or not, this was a very original thought at the time. I said, well, because there was no VCRs, no right, This is when pornos were still real movies. Yeah, yeah watching in a movie. And it was sincere. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I had to go to a theater. So I said, well, who are these guys that do porn? You know, what, what's with them? You know, who are they? Because there was only one that you knew, and that was Casey Donovan, was about the only star that had risen, you know, above the fray. So the guy sort of thought, and he said, well, I'll get back to you. I could tell he didn't like the idea at all. But I didn't care because I didn't want to do it, mm-hmm. do the, what he wanted me to do. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. It was a perfect match. Perfect. But in the back of my mind, this porn thing was... Percolating. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, pop. You're getting a little bit of a boner headache for some reason. And then one day he called me and said, <laughs> yes, he called me and said, uh, there's a guy coming to town. That, that why don't you speak to him and see if he'd still be interested in doing this porn thing and it was Joe Gage who at that time had made the fabulous trilogy of L.A. Tool and Die and something, something Kansas City Trucking Company check it out on the internet kids yeah, yeah, there's three of them and I met Joe Gage and he was 
very attractive and really smart. He was a director, he was a filmmaker. And uh, so I interviewed him and I loved it. And one thing led to another so that now, since the 70s, I've done every major porn star. So I now own the only history. I mean, I know everybody's interviewing porn stars, but I've got the dead ones. (laughs) (laughs) I've got them all. They're dead and alive, honey. They're mine. (laughs) So... uh, I'm currently pitching a book on this. So. Yeah, I've seen some of the stuff, and it's mm, really, it's really, really amazing. I mean, the drawings are amazing, but then your, your your talks and your interviews with them are really, really special. Just like this one. Yes. Just freewheeling. Freewheeling convo. And con- casual. Conversational and confrontational. So anyway, uh, you know, that just sort of led to the only segment, the only period of time that I have missing is in the late, 90s, I began to get one gay for pay after another. Boring! And I couldn't stand these people. And one day I was sitting on my sofa with one of them and I just said, you know, stop lying to me. I'm not interested if you're not gay. I'm only interested in talking... Talk to me about when, what it was like when you got fucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to me about how you have a girlfriend. And you don't care about Excuse getting me, fucked. Martine. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Martine. No, no, I understand. You do understand. So uh, now I'm, I'm getting back into it. I'm interested again. Because so. they're gay again. At gay least they're good ones. We so, don't like anything. Any, I don't like these fakies. No. Unless, no. They're, unless they're Sean Cody ones who are getting fucked for the first time on camera. Well, that's a different that. thing. That's a different yeah. thing. It's not like, like the wa- not like a waxed like male porn star doing gay things. It's like a real yeah, army and these man are getting people, after. These are people that Falcon was sending me. or right. you know, and, and it was just boring and, and untrue. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you got roped into the machine, you know, the industry well, aspect well, of marketing the porn and introducing the new stars, and who who cares about that? Well, who cares about the straight ones? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. What are the experience behind the getting fucked? That's an interesting yeah, article. But there's integrity in anything. Even porn, kids. Yeah, I mean, and even me. And <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> no, I mean, you have to do what you set out to do and mm-hmm. believe in and you know that Johnny McGovern. I sure do. You know that Lyndon James. Know. You know that Martine and all the other people here. <laughs> Our studio audience. <laughs> cue, yes. cue, cue the applause. Yeah. So Thank is, you audience. Is this the same lighting they use when Oprah's here? Oh yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got Oprah and Mariah's lighting guys to do a combo uh, for it's me. It's a golden circle around the face. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm currently fascinated now by the new Oprah Gale thing. Oh, uh, where they just came out and said we're not gay. But if we were, we'd tell you... In response to me insisting that they were, I would like to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's in response to me. But we would so tell you if we were. Well, of course. Sure. Just like right. everybody else. That wouldn't alienate all of America. No. No, 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 Republicans no. love black no. lesbians. <laughs> Especially billionaire black mm, lesbians. Maybe that's the only kind that they do like. Probably. Billionaire black billionaire. lesbians. Yeah. Um, you uh, are one of the few people I know who have ever spoken to and met Johan and what's his name? From uh, Bellamy. Luke. Lucas and Johan. I am. I would like to hear about that. Well, uh... I had heard that they were coming to New York, and I called a wonderful guy named Mark Sendroff, who's a big showbiz lawyer, and he's always got 
a little porn client or two. Mm-hmm. Ryan just a, Idol. Just a toe dipped in the yes, porn just, client mm-hmm. pool. Just, just enough. A taste. A taste. <laughs> just to keep it titillating at the office. Just a porn. Just a touch. So I called Mark and said, I heard that those boys were coming to town. And he said, yeah, they are. And I said, well, you know, could you hook me up with them to talk for an hour or so? And he said, okay, I'll try. But, you know, they're very difficult. And uh, they're... Micromanage? Does that mean big management? Yeah, like well, they're, 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 well, they micro every move that they have, yeah, right? They're I mean, managed like you're going to go here, you're going to eat yeah. this, you're going to yeah. drink this, you're going to talk to this person. Yeah. So he called and said, "No, no way." That you know the handlers booked. Yeah, the handlers said no. So I said, "Well, okay, you know, life goes on." And the next evening at seven o'clock, the phone rang and it was Sendroff, and he said, "Listen." I've made an arrangement for you to meet them at that spinning restaurant. Oh, on the top of the square. square. Uh And uh, he said, can you get there like within a half hour? And I said, yes. I certainly can for Lucas and Johan. Yes. And, uh, you know, I jumped into the subway and uh, went and uh, got there before they did. And when they arrived in the restaurant, which, you know, come on, who goes there? Yeah, (laughs) the spinning restaurant in Times Square. Yeah, you know. There was a real star moment the the restaurant stopped these two because they're young and they're and unbelievably, unbelievably gorgeous yeah but you know it was like there is such a thing as star quality, quality yeah that reads even if you don't know what the star is a star in at and uh, we started the interview johan was bouncing all over the place and happy and larky and funny and coming and sitting on your lap and wow. licking your neck. And what a delight. Yes, he was quite oh, charmant. Very charming. Oh. As we used to say in my childhood, he was charmant. And uh, the other one, who is the great beauty of the two. Oh, yes, Lucas. Was just surly and answered, you know, one word. And I was trying to get an interview, and there was no talking. So I just took the machine off and thought, well, this will just be an experience. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll just do an editorial on it. Right. And uh, suddenly it came up that I was an artist, and Lucas perked up. Wow. And became very forthcoming because he wants to be an architect and he loves drawing and suddenly he was in a world that wasn't concerning porn yeah it wasn't Uh just dick and ass land which they live in and he wasn't being used you Mm -hmm. know and uh, so it turned out to be charming it's also never been printed uh, wow so I'm going to use it in my forthcoming book yeah well my second forthcoming book because I have a book coming out at the end of this year what's that going to be it's called Allure and it's nowhere near anything like Mrs. Vreeland's version of Allure (laughs) (laughs) it's mine and it's uh, story illustrations from the 80s and 90s magazine stories so so they've not been seen except people who jerk off to stroke books (laughs) (laughs) so it's fresh now you can get them all in one place yes uh-huh. now you can uh, so uh, I, I think it's going to be fun that's awesome i was amazed when i look back on it you know that that's there's so much great stuff you've got i can't I wait for both know. those books to I, come out they're going to be on my amazed. coffee table permanently when i looked at it i was just like whoa i did all this and of course it's funny because they're all near penetration <laughs> because if these books were went out unsealed you know like mandate and honcho right they can't be 
uh, penetration. You can't be showing penetration. No. That's why they have that dot sometimes, Yeah, right? and yeah. you can't have any fluids. That good so, old dot. The good old dot. Yeah. The, no the repressive fluid. dot. And uh, it even got at one point, at the height of this Republican madness, <laughs> where one day they called me and said, if you show a guy, oh, you can only hold your own dick. You can't hold your friend's dick. That's not very friendly. No. No. <laughs> no. But I'm trying to unlock this door. Can't you hold my dick for me? <laughs> but I'm what, sorry. But no. what if your friend asks you to help? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually got this this call one day. The guy said, no, Robert, if you're if you're going to do any guys holding their dicks, have them hold it at the base, will you? Because it's a little dirtier at the head. <laughs> so I thought it's time for me to stop doing this, uh, being a near head holder. Well, mm. <laughs> so anyway, that was kind of that. But I loved those years of, of doing that because the stories were so dreadful. <laughs> so All their horrible. porn stories, their troubled past. And the description is always the same. There's a dark intense hairy one and a blonde muscular smooth one mm, of course Always yin and yang something for everyone <laughs> something for the fellas that like, like the, the fellas. fellas and there has never been one blonde top really so if there are blonde tops out there they should really get after these magazines and get into try it to change yeah. the world yeah. change and the world <laughs> one dick holding at a time yeah. by the base <laughs> by the base because the other head so too you know too dirty yeah I mean isn't that really it's totally retarded. insane yeah, that's retarded that's retarded honey that is retarded so anyway, it's been colorful, you know. It I mean, sure has. I'm not like the other fashion. By the way, of all my contemporaries, people my age, I'm the only one left drawing. God bless you, They're Robert all- W. Richard. Thank you. Thank God you are, because you wouldn't have done I all that know. beautiful work for us. And uh, You're just the best. You know... Uh, they're teaching or retired, and I'm drawing, and I'm and at the club, living it up. One of the most stylish men in America. In America, yeah. my personal favorite fashion icon. So you're wearing something so beautiful right now. I can't oh, stop staring. Thank you. Uh, I really it's do. It's all hand beaded. Mm, <laughs> lovely. Is that charmeuse? Oh, every inch of it. Oh, uh, Robert W. Richards, I love you. Thank you, and you I love are the you. Bomb. I love you. We thank think you. you're the best. And if you want to check out more of Robert W. Richards, you got to go to www.robertwrichardsart.com. That's it. And you can see all the stuff. You can read about them. There's so much stuff you got to get, you kids. You buy a couple dirty little illustrations. Oh, and you know what? The dirty little illustrations are extremely uh, affordable erotic. and erotic. Hmm. And if you're cute, use the contact number. Oh, yes, my ah! friends. If you're a cute young man living in New York City and you want a drawing that will you'll cherish for the rest of your life, once your beauty fades, you'll still have that drawing. Yes. Send them. And just remember that... I won't live forever, and when I'm gone, the prices will just skyrocket. Skyrocket. Oh my God! You'll be able to buy that little condo that you always wanted. Mm, What a delight, Robert W. Richards. We love you, and I love you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We're not just all fucking reality stuff. There's art here. There's art. This is a classy (laughs) show. This is classy and sophisticated. Thank you. Thank you, Linda.
Wow. He is wow. a dream. God, I love it. I just love him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to pause it right now and go back and rewind it and listen to it one more time. Yeah, Good idea. Me too. It's great. I mean, his story is something else. Well, shout out to you, Mr. Robert W. Yes. Richards. Love you. Go visit him at the Leslie Lohman Gallery in oh, New York City. So many great things. Robert W. Richards. Robert everybody. Shout out to him. If you're lucky, you can catch him at the Leslie Lohman Gallery. Yes. With his fantastic I think works. I might go take an, a drawing class there. Ooh, that's a good idea, Linda, mm-hmm. for your blog. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, there's another interview on today's Best of Gay Pimpin' interview special. That's right, because we didn't want to cheap you out with like a 40-minute show. No, no, no. You still have tons of listening pleasure. And here's pre-recorded segments from us. <laughs> How are you liking it? <laughs> it's just as pre-recorded as ever, really. When you're you think right, about it, you're right. That's very true. Right? Uh-huh. I mean, we're doing it. It's in the well. Okay, I don't want to get all. Y'all are time travelers. <laughs> Did you think that I wasn't going to be on the show, fuckers? Oh, oh yes. Oh, you're on vacation, so I'm just supposed to stop having a life, stop living. <laughs> Brittany, can I make some guesses about what you're doing now in the future? Okay, go ahead. I love this game. Wearing bikinis. Totally! And living out of hotel rooms. Linda, I like it so much better because there's a, what you call it, a concierge? Oh! I love a concierge! Oh, can yeah. I make a prediction too? What? what? You're pregnant with Russell Brand's baby. What? what? Uh, Martin, that's just a penny I made for the MTV Video <laughs> Awards. <laughs> I, uh, Linda, maybe by now have announced that I'm officially performing. Possibly. Wow, yeah. who knows? Who Anything's knows? possible when you're time traveling. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany, I'm so glad you could at least stop in. Thanks for coming in, Brittany. The one thing you know is that I'm thin that's all, and that I'm blonde. And then maybe a redhead. You never know, Linda. Could it's be. all I'm in control now. Control. Wow. Get what I want to got. Wait a minute. I, it's not my song, Martine, but I did hear it when I was about doll baby size. Oh, you were okay. born to make yourself happy. Well, Linda, I'm here for a special reason. Because the next person that you're going to do the all gay pimping best of interview special. Okay. Is when Mr. Junior Vasquez. Oh, the fierce. He's totes fierce, Linda. Uh-huh. <laughs> He remixes a whole bunch of my songs. Uh-huh. Real he made me sound bad. And then he re, 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 repeats things, Linda. Wow, Johnny, it was amazing how you drank a glass of water through that whole thing. Yeah, it was glug, glug, glug. But Brittany, <laughs> Martin, stop this. He's a very stuff. special guy, even though one time he said, I'm sick of Britney's. But I didn't take it personal. I thought they meant the Britney Murphy. He, Brittany, <laughs> the Britney copycats, not you. Yeah, not me. I mm-hmm. thought that was slang. All the copycats, like Christina Aguilera, Lady Gaga, all of them. Madonna. Right. Madonna, she's the biggest copycat of all. I had it, you little cuntbag. <laughs> oh, now, crap. I'll tell you something. I've been calling Junior Vasquez since before you were Steve. <laughs> In your crappy sack. Get it? Don't get it twisted. I, I, I've worked with him, and I am friends with him, and I, actually, I did most of the work for him, and everything we ever did together. Madonna, was- please accept my apology. Let's go kiss again in the bathroom. All right, I'm freaky. Hey, guys, uh, watch out. Grandma this. wants a party, my team. All right, well, me? just, uh. Let's reenact that part of the slate for you where I get licked. I'm going to get real sweaty first. All right. It'll just, you know, watch out for that frosted deuce. It's, it's been in there for a couple weeks now. 
Oh, God. I like it. <laughs> Madonna, thank you very much. Brittany, thank you very much. Oh, God. Uh, coming up is, I couldn't believe it's with the interview is years in the making. I think we announced that it was happening on first, the first episode. Before it even happened. Before, right. the the first pre- e- before the first episode happened, I had worked with Junior Vasquez by then, so I thought the interview would happen very easily. Uh-huh. No biggie, no problem. Uh-huh. But... He changed management. Lots of different things happened, uh-huh. and then and it we, never happened. And we recorded a commercial in Martine's closet. <laughs> we did record the very first commercial in Martine's closet. Yep, yep, yep. yep. When Same. it said with celebrity interviews with Junior Vasquez. Well, four in years later, <laughs> four years later, it happened, and it was very exciting. Yes, um, and it was a great interview. I think he really kind of opened up at the time. I didn't even after we did it. I didn't know how it went. Uh-huh. Because it was really surreal to, because, you know, even having worked with him, I'd never actually spoken to him for a long, maybe a couple sentences, uh-huh. honestly. You know, he'll send you the track and call you on the one time I called him on the phone. They said, tell Junior what you don't like about the mix. <laughs> He's going to call you. Wow. wow. And I was like, oh, everything's great. I love everything. <laughs> Wendy, that is not what I said. <laughs> oh, that was when I did it. That wasn't Junior Vasquez. That was Junior's cheesecake. Junior! <laughs> um, Junior's! That's where Captain Obvious got it from. That's me. Your classic ad, Junior. Junior's cheesecake. And he saw me. He said, that sounds good. He said it like he says it. That sounds good. And then, Junior's. Well, I've got to go. <laughs> I'm going to call Kevin and ask him if that's true. No, don't. <laughs> Wendy, please. Bye, Wend. Um, uh, I was trying to say. Wend, do you have a nickname no, for Wend, Wendy Wends, McBurger? Wends, actually. Wends. <laughs> Linz and Wends is what we call each other. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but when we actually talked, it was surreal. And just it was, I was like, is this going well? Is he answering? But when I listened back, really, I really did think he got into a lot of things. It was a great interview. And a lot of people who are real junior fans got in touch with me to tell me that they, they were like, I thought it was going to be like a five-minute thing. And he talked for 45 minutes. So mm-hmm. I'm awesome. proud of it. I think it was great. And I think you're going to enjoy it. Why don't we play it right now? Turn it. Let's go back in time again. Hit that steam time travel machine. This show is so big budget. The Lux Capacitors reaching critical mass. Oh, Lord. Speaking with the one, the only, the legendary Mr. Junior Vasquez. Oh, you're all all too kind. It sounds like my birthday. (laughs) Well, it is like our birthday. I mean, Junior, I'm very excited to talk to you today. Uh, you know, I've been a super fan of yours forever. We've actually worked together once in the past, and but I've never actually, other than occasionally getting to say hi to you in the booth, gotten a chance to talk uh-huh. to you and ask you all the numerous questions I have about your long and illustrious career. Yeah, it sure has been. I feel like Molly the Dietrich or something. <laughs> um, now... Actually, 
Yeah, something like that. Marlene <laughs> Dietrich or Cher. Or, or I mean, I you certainly have the staying power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of staying power, first up, how how are you recovering from the Black Party, the gigantic super party last week? That was well, your- it's the it's the first Black Party I ever did, and, and and I always had dreams of doing it. And you know, past year, Pat, I mean, Stephen have did some good parties, and so he put a different twist on this one, and he thought it'd be great if I if I closed it for a different style, you know. I had I had a great time. I was would normally not go to the black party, but I always wanted to play it. So he he opted to do something different and have all that morning music, so I created a different kind of morning music after party day. I had a great time. I had a great time. It was great knowing it was great being able to pick certain songs for that and what and overlaying, I I kind of wanted didn't want to do disco because I didn't want to sound cheesy, so I picked a, some things and I would just kind of loop them in and out of modern songs so nobody would like Kebble Collectric and I Feel Love. They didn't quite know, so I sort of I sort of how, how do you call it? I sort of a whiff of it, not let them know. Um, I sort of just just. Um, what's that word? Deconstructed disco. Right, because normally at the black party in the the early hours, it's the, all the morning music in there. Yeah, I would. I just I couldn't do it. It's not in me, and, I, and I'm sure that Stephen didn't want it. Isn't what I want to do, or he wouldn't have hired me for that slot. It seems like it's surprising yeah. to me that you had never played it before, because I mean that sort of black party sort of dark thing seems like it would be so in your element. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's because I've, in the last year or so I've sort of turn the page and I don't have anything proven I, I the music that I'm selecting the things that I'm doing I think you know I just kind of had some good success in the last year or so I've also yeah. loved what, when you were at, uh, at with doing did Salem at Halloween that was one of my yeah. most favorite yeah. one of my most favorite saint parties I've ever been to yeah I, yeah I think once I once I got cleaned out my karma and just released a lot of things about people and things and got on my own and things like that. I um, I was able to do these parties and, you know, working with Peter was great. I think he's a great guy. And I just, Salem was fun, the whole photo shoot and everything. And it, it was, that was that was great too. Now, Martine, if you didn't see the picture, Junior and Peter Rauhofer for the the covers of Next and HX yeah. were ghouled out, complete with fangs. And- uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. That was that was fun. He wore his outfit actually to play, and I don't know how he did it. I ended up just putting two monster gorilla glue two horns to my head. <laughs> Well, it seems like this year is all about embracing the new and the new record. Congratulations on uh, yeah, the release what, of Generation Yeah, that's Next. why I decided to put this album out. I think it's now since I have this new company, Be Quiet Music, I can start putting out albums that I feel that are 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 pertinent for, for me because it's I'm a purist as far as house music. And it's all complete come around. So it's got these old sounds modernized if you listen to the album it's it seems old tom factors but with modern sounds and and i intentionally made that album for um for that purpose I, you know i was always doing like you know pop 
albums, you know, that had pop singers on. I just wanted it to be a real, you know, underground. I wanted it to be an underground record. And that's that's what I got done. And Tommy Boy's been really great about it, really behind it. And, you know, it's nice when an artist can 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 do exactly what he wants to do or or, or why do it, you know? So everything's been great with that. You know, the artwork, everyone, you know, it's, you know, the people, the guys that I have that did their numbers on the albums, they're all young um, producers. And I think it, I think, you know, generation next. Because, you know, I can pass things on now, you know, it's like the, it's, a, it's the branches of the junior tree. You know, before I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done that five, ten, seven years ago. I was, I held things too tight, but now it's, it feels good to give back and help and and push people in a, in a direction, you know, to you know to follow through. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's the future of. I mean, because that's one yeah. of the, the amazing things is like you know, I the 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 one of the things I've always wanted to know is you know the the sound that you have that you've created that's been so influential. Um, mm-hmm. For so long, I mean, it was there's such a junior sound. Now, where, how, mm-hmm. what was the, the, how, how did, what was the development of that? I mean, when you started, when you, from when you started, like at somewhere. I mean, like I, can, I can answer that in a nutshell. I just, I always tell people because I, I majored in art. You know, I wanted to be a painter or whatever commercial art. When I put music together, it's the same thing. There's two, two ways that that it developed. One is when I used to. When I was very young, I would go to parties with this little cardboard, you know, these little cardboard boxes to handle with little 45 records in it. And I would go to a party and I would just play what was in that thing and just, just played them. And, and that's how I kind of, when I moved on, did the same thing. But the other second half to that is like, it's a, I have this huge box of crowns and I just pull colors and I, you know, it's, it's the way I do it. I do it as, art I I have rules of thumbs that I follow meaning that um, vocal context has has to go together gospel love things like that they have to have they have to go together in meaning I I don't I learned I learned that through Shep Pettibone and working on the radio that you programming is very important you don't want to put in some hard house tribal thing that doesn't make sense with something gospel-y like a Barbara Tucker song or something. It's just, you know, things have to fit and make sense and you have to take them on that journey. And that's very, that's a very crucial point. And the way I started that sound was it's just that I just did it because I did it because it's like there was nobody in the room. That's how I, that's how I used to play you know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it. It's like I brought my I brought my records, and you know this is what I'm going to play. And then if I, I if they didn't like something, I keep playing it, and keep playing it, and keep playing it until they, till they, till they loved it. So I just I don't I just try not. I just never thought took it very seriously. I just did it, and um, that's how I think that developed and now uh, you know creating the sound and plus i'm i guess if i was painting now I, i'm an abstract person so i i my music comes that's my art now and so it comes out abstract 
So, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, like, how do you call it, um, manufacturing sounding. I mean, I've, ha I've had to go through a lot of, um, what you would call it, because, you know, from vinyl, CD, now to the Serato and to computers, I stopped the CD at CDs. I will not move into the computer with Serato or anything like that. So, yeah, you, you were always on exclusively on vinyl, and then suddenly everybody's on CDs, and so that was, you have to, you have to learn all that all, all yeah. that whole art again. I mean, I can, I, can, I can use CDs like I used to be able to use turntables. I know them so well. I can use them as an instrument. But you don't want to Which, go all the way to laptop laptop DJing. I would never. No, it ain't going to happen. Because CDs still have a little bit of that same feeling, I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah. I had to get used to it, but it's fine. And I can do crazy things with them because I can loop and slow down, reverse, plus with my other effects. And it's... It, it, I, I personally like using them because I can really do weird things with them. You know, and then I have... The sampler boxes, which allow me to loop and all that stuff, I do all that still that crazy stuff. I mean, that's the that's one of the amazing things about your sets is that when you're when now, how much of your when you're when you're preparing for something like the Black Party, mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. what is your what is the what is the process of preparing for your set? I mean, are you choosing everything right, you're going to play? Say, but the truth on the matter is, is that I, I don't plan for anything. Mm. I did not. I don't prepare. I get an idea in my head the way I think that it should sound. The only thing that I put together is my opening, you know, my opening song. I, same thing I do the, I wait, I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I don't stress the parties. I brought more, um, older stuff, garagey stuff. And I brought things that were darker and sleazier. And I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere gospel with it, with my set. Right. So um, that's the only thing I think of. And I use, I work better under pressure. Mm -hmm. So I wait for the last minute to pull it together. And then I, you know, I search out certain sounds for certain, you know. Go with a feeling. For, for, the, for, the, for the party. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't stress over it as much. I just go in and I allow it to flow the way it flows. Because that's what that's who they want to hear. They want they want. If I try to do something different, then it would sound like it wouldn't sound like me. So it would be disappointing, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I I take I take a lot of chances, and I like I'd like to screw around with. I like to fuck with their heads and what they're feeling, and they don't know what they're hearing. And we're, I think I heard this. I think did he play that? I mean, <laughs> where did right. so that come that? from? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because so, I mean, I there is do, a game that you did that you can ask someone on the dance floor that you play. Like, is that the beginning of that song? Uh -huh. Is he going to play that song? I <laughs> right. I usually try to mind fuck them because I also entertain myself doing that. I have to push and challenge myself, and then not play the normal classics. Even though I feel I'm probably one of the only ones who's entitled to play the classics because they are my classics. Yes, I exactly. I try to find I tried to find different ones for the black party this time from my arsenal. So you know, I I you know, I I did my thing. I did a little disco, but then I put sexy music and then, you know, pulled 
pulled some weird things out of my hat. Like, you know, I just didn't want, I knew I was not going to go there and play MacArthur Park. <laughs> right. just, you know what I mean? I just, yes, or yes. love, or those guys, I just, that's not me. But there are some, I, I, my stuff is more garagey. So that's kind of where I kept the classics at. Now, a lot of the ways that you've inspired so many people was how you were inspired by Larry Levan at the who you know created the Garage yeah. Sound at Paradise yeah. Garage. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go back mm-hmm. a little bit to that time in your life because I, I mean, you know, you moved to New York in the early seventies, and I, I remember reading that you I moved here in nineteen seventy or something on Halloween. Wow! Yeah. So I, I mean, was, that I, must have been I quite did, a I time. Just, I had just turned seventeen. Wow. My goodness. That's now, like Christmas. That is like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And you lived in, now I was just reading that you lived in like a, a some room in a bathhouse for some time. You managed to, to leave I, in your boyfriend? No, my, 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 my boyfriend worked there and we didn't have any place to live. So we had a room with the bath. Wow. wow. You must have seen a lot of wieners and balls around everywhere yeah. around. Yeah. And you, yeah. I didn't like it so much, but. Then I got an then we got an apartment and then we moved in and and so forth. That was my you know, that was years ago. He's passed on by now. He's dead. He died and stuff like that. Whatever, but yeah, I did live for almost three months in, in Continental Bath. And At least you, I got to see Bette Midler and Yeah, Barry you saw Milo Bette Midler for the in that time? Yeah, yeah. Now when did now the Paradise Garage, when did you first go there and hear Larry Levan? Um I, right, right from the beginning when it opened. And what I was. never stopped going. And that was like, so I mean, a lot of the, you're sort of, you are to many people what he is to you. And what was, what was so special about that scene? Because obviously it was something we didn't get to um, experience. Like, what was the well, Paradise the Garage beginning like? Of, the beginning of it was just the one room when you first went up the stairs. And he was playing in like a kitchen area. And then there was these big speakers with this big bass bottoms on him and, and bleachers all around. Very simple, very lofty, because he came from that school of of um, of the loft, because the loft was already around with, with uh, what's his name? So there was that same feel that the music was from, but I used to crawl inside the bass speaker just to hear um, Supernature. Right. And I was sitting there and just was mesmerized, but I was just, I don't, I don't know, I think it's just something that gets in, gets into your blood, you know. And, and I just like the mixture of people, and I like the way Larry worked, and I le- learned a lot from him by listening. I wasn't a groupie; didn't try to hang around with him. Yada yada. I just paid attention, mm. you know. And what were some of the things that you learned from listening to him? Programming, one thing. I, um, um, letting. So I wouldn't, you know, like if, if a record skips, who cares? Just move, lift it up. you got to be human. Lift it up, move it forward. You know, let a record end, take them on a ride, end somewhere. Take, let, them, let, them, let them hang to see what you're going to play next, and then and tease them and then hit them with something, you know. <laughs> that, that I learned from him, and I learned, um, I learned a little bit of being bitchy and cunty from him, too. <laughs> You know, that I, that I learned, too, you know, because he was a diva. And he just, programming mostly, and, and, and just the way he could 
put the music together and make it just it was incredible. Back in those days, you only had a two count in the beginning of there weren't a lot of twelve inches. Right, so, so you had to you know, keep putting them together. It, yeah, it wasn't more. It was harder to mix back then because you didn't have. You know, then then when Chicago House hit, it was it was different. Then it was, you know, but he played unusual music like City Country City and things and early morning with love thing and you know different tempos and that's that's what i learned you have to like sort of take them somewhere then clean it and clean their ears out and then start again in, a, in another that i learned <laughs> that's such a good true way of like hearing you talk about it really makes me like you mm-hmm. can opens up a whole nother dimension to all the different things i've heard mm-hmm. you do over the years um, what did, yeah. how did the, uh, now, so you heard, so you got into the house music scene and the nightlife here in New York and then how, mm-hmm. what was your, how did you begin DJing yourself? You know, it's like, obviously everyone knows that I came here to be a fashion designer, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and, but then I, um, I just had a, a passion for music when I, I just, I don't know, it was in my uh, just something that was about it. Once I remember getting my first 12 inch, which was actually um, Love Hangover by Dan Ross. <clears throat> and um, I just, I don't know, it's just something that I didn't really think that I would ever, could ever accomplish. I was, I just went there to hear the music and, and go home and draw, try to design dresses and clothes and stuff by, by the music or what I saw reflection from people's dancing on the dance floor mm. and those images were in my head to draw like dresses and pants and so and then i started getting into the music and i just i don't know i just it kind of wasn't something that i wanted to do it kind of found me you know so i think the point was never to take it so serious you know and it just kind of found me and it's like I, you know, I've, I've, I've been blessed and was gifted, you know, to get that. Was it when you started playing at Baseline that it's, things started to really get on their way to yeah. being big? Like on the, what, yeah. like sort of the build yeah. up to Sound Factory? Once the garage closed, there was a lull. And I got involved with Christina Viscus. She asked me to do her birthday party at this place called 21 Hudson. So I said, okay, I'll do that. And I lived right across the street because I was lived on Reed Street. I went over there, and I played, and it was a huge event. So we decided to do it. We were going to rent the, rent, use the guy's um, liquor license and rent the place from him. So we started our own little business, our own little paper flyers, and we called it Baseline. And I played there on my residency, and the place used to get so packed. The room would drip in sweat. It got so huge, the fire department would come, and then started getting muscled by vending machine people, if you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> and so it got out of control. We didn't have any any um, people to help us do that, lawyers and stuff. So they did shut us down because of fire hazards, so they did shut down. So I met Bill Smith and all them that had, they approached me about going around looking for a space. So we took a hiatus after baseline was closed and and um, we took a hiatus and we we found Sound Factory in twenty seventh Street. <laughs> the the space I, the magical space. 
Yeah, and then I, I remember for as long as we took, I, I practically lived in that place, painting and painting poles and helping out. I practically lived upstairs in that place. And then so, when Sound Factory opened, then everything just exploded? It, you know what? It, it did. It did, but there was such a space between baseline myself. It was hard to get the people back again. And we, we weren't knowledgeable of, of all the permits you needed. So we were attacked with a million permits. And we had to close down and do a, do a handicap rail for this rail here. Can't do this. Can't do that. And so it took us a year or so. I had to, I was part investor. So I put money in. So I was part, part owner of the beginning of that. So it took us a year to build it out. And once that happened, there was such a lull. We had to, which was a good thing in retrospect, because then we had to build it slower. Right, and, and it, once it caught on, it caught on, caught on big, and then that began like a yeah. whole, uh, you know, when you really had your the all continually bigger and bigger rooms with yeah. Palladium and Arena, and when where mm-hmm. I first saw you at Twilo, which really does, right. was, and then that's when was was baseline and after hours thing, or when did when did the whole after hours, was after hours, so that was so there was all so it began as an after hours thing, yeah. We we followed the rules of the garage. You would open at one and serve no liquor. Right. That's my theory. And there's just no place like that anymore. Twilight was like the garage. And but Twilight started um Sound Factory started that that way, opening at one. It's until it became Twilight they started open they put liquor in and that I think that's what killed it. Now, you've, you've started liquor. Yeah, I mean the, the city has certainly chased chased you from place to place uh, over over exactly. the years, but the music yeah. keeps everybody coming back. Now, something about uh, with those after hours parties that I love is the the moment when it starts to be voguing and runway time. Now, I know you have yeah. a special connection yeah. to that scene and that type of music. I mean, tell me a little bit mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Well, that that became part of just like because a lot of that, a lot of the houses and. The music and that usually was to finish up the night, and and everyone it was there so they could be featured. I, in other words, I wasn't I was wasn't the main show. I wanted to allow them to be their personality. So that all started with the flashlight and the runway and the bogey stuff and the battling because that was big then. So it was always known that if there was one in the morning, there'd be one. That would happen, especially Reno. They, they 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 would do costume changes for Reno, and they would just go downstairs. And Arena had very 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 famous runway shows in the morning with the lights up. Wow. Yeah, I mean that seems like that was the place, uh, you know, where where, yeah. where all the houses were there, yeah. <laughs> as Princess mm-hmm. Extravaganza would say. Right. I mean, they that's would right. be there, and there'd be the there was. That's what's kind of lacking now is there's no place where the you know a big place no. where the houses can be seen and battle it out. And I mean that no, that it's is all, it's it's a whole entirely different scene now, and I don't think it's going to come back. I mean, it's it's just gotten too modern and too too. Bot- Selling bottles and so RB and it just doesn't exist. Bosch is the closest thing to it, but still doesn't quite make it. 
And I'm not sure anybody can do that anymore. You know, the laws are so strict, and I don't know. Yeah, though, it makes it difficult, especially because the, the after-hours environment is the environment where though that kind of magic can happen. Yeah. So that's why when I, when I do things with Stephen, he gives me the last shift, which is really the after-hours. Hmm. Yeah. You know, like Black Party, I started at 11 and went to 5.30. And that's when you can get so the, the real, that magic that happens only yeah. the day after. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's pretty much my niche. But I've, I mean, I've been, I've been playing like the 12 to 5, 12 to 4 things. And I just, it's not the same, but. You've you certainly know. been able to work me up into a sweat. I mean, it definitely, you know, there's one something to be I said about to 10 a.m. I just had to tailor my, I, I could do a lot of. I can't do a lot because of short period of time, but I try to hit them the best I can with within that short period of time. So it was hard for me to adjust, but yeah, you know, because you were yeah, playing was, like super like hours and twelve hours, yeah. and you know that where you yeah, can really I took let them on it massive journey, massive journeys. So yeah. now they don't have that. You got to close at five, and that's that. Yeah, it's got to be a, a quicker, a quicker, a quicker yes. journey. You can. Yeah. I mean, some, yeah. sometimes you know the aliens would land. Some of the long sets, the aliens yeah. would land, mm-hmm. and then hatchlings would grow, yeah. and then, you know, then a new society. <laughs> yeah, would it, be really, it really does. It doesn't exist in New York. I don't, it doesn't. It doesn't really exist. There's too many laws and too many. You know, it all happened with the over abuse of drugs and the JHB and the whole. You know, people don't want to deal with it. The precincts don't want to deal with it. and community boards and museums going up on the same street and high rise. I mean, it's very difficult. Yeah, very um, very difficult. One thing that is has lasted all for so many many years and is is a topic of much fascination here on Gay Pimpin' with Johnny McGovern is the creative relationship you have with Kevin Aviance and the magic right. of the shows that that you over the years the two of you have put out and yeah uh, she's. Yeah, she's like my, she's like my, my, my tranny other half. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we kind of go together like, like Madonna and me go together. She's where I'm at. It's like we just, me and Kevin just have an understanding. I, I love to work her. I like to twist her when I'm playing a song that she's doing. And I like to, I like to get her all twisted and she doesn't even know what I'm doing and, we were actually talking about that before the show linda was like i'd like to ask junior die when he does that (laughs) and keeps it going and turns her out it's it's fantastic for the audience it's such an amazing push and pull that the two of you guys have when 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 you're on stage and you can i mean it's the thing is because it's all spontaneous yes yeah, that is the I'm most amazing thing of it all, too. So how much how much does, uh, you know, when you guys, so you're going to do a show, does Kevin just sh- shows up knowing maybe some of the songs? She'll just get up when she feels like, yeah, she's not, unless she's actually performing a song, then she's booked for that. But she's usually around and she just gets up on some certain, she doesn't have time sets. If she likes something, she gets up there and carries on. Okay. And I want to see, when I see her carrying on, like if it's a Deborah Cox song or something that she likes, and I see it, I make sure like is on, and then I, I, I fuck with her with the song. And I run it backwards and forwards. She gets nuts up there. <laughs> that is, there is a special joy that in in that in that fucking with her that makes it the show so great. Mm-hmm. 
Because um, yeah, it's spontaneous, you know. She just pops up. I see her, and then I say, tell her like I put light on her. And then if I'm playing like Who Do You Love or those records that she likes to sing to, you know, um, I put them in. She's up there, and then I start fucking with. Her. I'll play it backwards, or play something else, or I'll, 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 I'll slam in cunty, and all of a sudden she's doing the cunty, and then she, <laughs> I love to, I love to drive her nuts. And she, she rises to the occasion. She does rise to the yeah. occasion yeah, every time. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. now that relationship began at Sound Factory. It did, yes. Now, now what? Now we've heard Kevin's version of the story. Now, from your perspective, now this was supposed during when you were playing the pressure, and like, how did you first see him? Did you see him in the middle of the dance floor and just what was the? How did that happen? I I think it happened. She would she would be on the side on the side when it was Sound Factory on the on the side going into that second lounge, right where there were lights. And she would yeah, and she would. She was just vogue and do her thing, and and I I sort of singled her out with, a, with the flashlight and made her, you know, started serving her, and then she just became, you know, we got close, and then we worked on some records, and you know, she's hard to avoid, you know, she's hard to miss, and she's in the room, she's <laughs> you know, that is the truth. So that's, I mean, that's how I like discover. I just thought she was unusual, and then, I mean, I remember. I remember her when I would come to the club to open it. Sometimes if we go and open the gates and go in early, she'd be outside waiting to it open. Wow. Dedicated, dedicated. So, yeah. Um, so so now, that's you guys have worked. You've worked on you obviously records with Kevin. I mean, it was so. I mean, you've done remixes for everyone in the universe. What's the process yeah. that you? What is? Do you have a, a process when you're when you're creating a remix? How like how you begin to listening to the original a lot of times um, or n- no? It's like if it's a commission job from a label or something, I just ask for the acapella. Right. I don't work for any instrument. They send the acapella. Like like recently, I I did Womanizer. I did Circus. I did Sober and Pink. Now I just did. If you see Gamey. Yes, we have heard we've heard all of them and loved all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just asked for the acapella. They call me up. I think send me acapella and I work in there. And then I just kind of I just kind of figure out what loops or what I wanted to sound like from other records or different pieces from things. And then I, I you know I just make a skeleton and I just keep working on it until it kind of. You know, I have a for, I have a formula, and so I kind of that's how it kind of works out. You know, there's a definite dance formula that I use. I mean, I stay away from the big droppy drama breaks. I mean, I don't play big dramatic, not too much into the big dramatic, you know, Rocket Man kind of stuff or anything like that. Anymore. More different kind of. Drama in a song, and we can yeah. hear a lot it of depends. that on the on the new on the new record. I mean, I love music had yeah. all of my favorite yeah. junior things. It was you had a soulful lady screaming, yet it was spooky. Mm-hmm. Yet, yeah. yet it was there had there was an energy about it. It really reminded yeah. me of like I you know I heard you saying how it's old, old and new really much together because mm-hmm. it was, seems very cutting edge, but it gave me that twi- that old Twilo feeling. Yeah. That was that. That was the kind of the point to go to go 
to go back to go forward, or however you want to put it. The same way with like the first single from the album is going to be Maxi Maxi J's um um insecurities. Well, yes, I don't know if you know, but I was in the studio with her when she recorded those vocals. How cool! I yeah, I mean it's a it's a great she's a, song. She's a diva. She's a great songwriter, and it it came out really good. And everyone is asking for it, so it's gonna gonna be remixed by about four or five different people for twelve first twelve inch off the album. That yeah. is very exciting. Oh, yeah, because that, yeah, that, that song is a you know classic. When when mm-hmm. she was recording, I was like, "Ooh, girl, you're giving him you're giving him Deborah Cox and and Vanessa Mitchell mm-hmm. all in one." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a great vocal song, and so is Twisted D. Is the first song she wrote that great, and then you know, what, and the other stuff is on it. I tried to make it sound like an album that was more back to my roots, you know. Mm. Now, who are the who are the now who are the young the new the new DJs that you have working on on this on this new record with you? Twisted D. Who else? Um, Nick Harvey. Nick Harvey, that's great. He's doing a lot of great mixes. Yeah, and he he does a lot of stuff, especially just for me, because he's a big one for taking a lot of my songs and and reworking them with different vocals. And then I have Fumi in Japan. Right. And and then I have Darren here in New York I work with. And I now I just reconnected with um Joe Carano in Connecticut. We just did the new Britney. If you see Jamie, so you know there's a people that I'm working you know, pretty much on the album and um um uh the guy the what what is it? Triple uh my 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 beat or something, something like that. That guy. So I tried to get, like um, keep it simple with young producers, you know, you know, because I went to an album with the. It's it's harder to do an album when you're trying to license these big vocalists like Madonna and Britney and yada yada yada. It takes forever, and then by the time you get it out, the damn songs are so damn old. <laughs> so now. So the albums I'm doing now are pretty much um, my own writing, my own, a lot of my own writing, and then and trying to get the songs out as current as possible. Because in Next you know, Magazine, you, you said know. you were sick of Britney Spears and you needed to go back to full-time house. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's right. uh, we're so happy to be able to talk to you. The new CD is Generation Next. Thank yep. you for the years of oral pleasure you have brought to us and the dance floor antics. No, my, no problem. My pleasure. My joy. Well, it's a joy for all of us, too. Junior Vasquez, everybody! Yay! Thank you so much, Yay. Thank you, Junior. And uh, right. it's just amazing to talk to you. And, uh, well, this episode is an all-Junior Vasquez music episode. So it's full Junior, all episode can, long. Junior, I have one Thanks. question. Yeah, Where, can people go to uh, get your music from you to hear what you're putting out, like, on the Internet? Yes, there, it's, it's on every single site now that you can possibly and beat for it. The list is endless. You can get the album. You can get and each song separate. So go on any of the Juno, Beatport, iTunes. There's thousands of them. You can 
you'll be able to find it. Excellent. And you're also on MySpace and Facebook. And Darren, who works with you, puts up a lot of mm-hmm. great little flip videos. Yeah, he does, you yeah. guys, you guys going through your the the music crates, and also if you want yeah. to hear parts of Junior set at the Black Party or pretty much any mm-hmm. other time he's yeah. anywhere, there are there, yeah. Darren's putting up little videos of it, so you can get a taste of it all. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. So. It, yeah, it's just the way the media is. That's why I decided to be on. If I can't have regular residency, I gotta learn how to do my things with albums and and use the modern technology with YouTube, and so people around the world can enjoy it and put an album out. So I plan on banging albums out. It's the new global think, residency with the internet. You don't necessarily even need you. You don't necessarily no. even need the club. You can just be putting it out yeah, all right, the time. That's right. Well, that is something I'm very happy to hear. Thanks very much, Junior. Okay. You're the and best. And the album drops um, April 7th. The second, April 7th, right. And then there's going to be a, a release party for it, yes. All right. Where is that going to be? Here in New York City? At Cielo, at Cielo at this point, yeah. Now, are you at, are you still, you have your your monthly residency at Cielo still? Uh, no, just a couple holiday ones. Just special I events at Cielo. I kind of back off on that a little bit because, you know, I know I'm there Memorial Day. I'm doing Fire Island. Fourth of July. Ooh, um, Fire Island Fourth of uh, July. <laughs> I'm doing Saturday, yeah, Fourth of July, and then I have. Um, I just just got off the phone with Stephen, working out. Um, the Monday Day Party for Pride. He's gonna. We're gonna talk about more about it on Wednesday. Because that's the next big party, actually. Right. That, pride, I mean, and prides with, a, prides with Junior, if you're ever able to go to one. What's a pride without what's Junior? What's a pride without Junior? <laughs> right. So, and it's usually, I always like having the last party, the last word. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're trying to work that out. And, and then that's that. I'm gonna, uh, maybe I'll do a um, something in between that. I mean, I'm traveling now, like. San Francisco. I'm going next weekend. I'm going to the Glad. I joined the Glad Media Awards this Saturday. Red carpet and very fancy. Oh yeah, so that's where I'll be Saturday night. And then following, we go to San Francisco, and the week after that, I go to go to Ohio. Now I just go for the bread and bread and butter money now. Right, yes. you know, but when it goes to San Fran and Ohio, I, I hope you really yeah. turn it to turn them. it out, in turn Ohio. it out in Ohio. Give it to them the yeah. bitchiest, cuntiest set you've ever right. given Ohio. <laughs> yeah, the, that's where they'll love the Britneys and everything. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> they will. Though they, yeah. they love it here just as much. <laughs> yeah, so that should be interesting. Thank you so much, Junior. Well, you right. go, Junior. We You're love very you. Welcome. Thank you. Bye. You're Bye. Very Bye. welcome. That was nice. I really enjoyed just sitting back and listening. I know. <laughs> Chilling out in the studio together and listening to us talk in the past. I was, I was at home. I drew a bath and I had a bottle of wine and Wonderful. I listened to some, some legends tonight. If you, Linda, I hope you didn't have your iPod plugged into an outlet in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, Linda, now that you're listening to the podcast, this is so weird. You're talking about you and the in the future, listening to yourself in the past. Whoa, my brain! <laughs> Oh, well, Linda, if you're finished listening to the podcast and you have, you're hungry for more listening, you could maybe try Audible. Audible? Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. You know what book on tapes from the 80s? I remember book on tapes. Now they're book on iPods. Book on pods? Book on pods. (laughs) And there is a website, which is one of my favorite websites, which is uh, www.audible.com. Uh-huh. And they want to give you a free audiobook to listen Me? to. Anything. Dude looks like a lady, a novel. Dude looks like a lady, a nonfiction story. Dude looks like a lady for dummies. Shorty on the side. Shorty on the side <laughs> is also available. Wouldn't that be great if Shorty on the side was? Well, maybe I'll, yeah, maybe there I'll. are a lot of urban fiction novels on uh, Audible. If you need to get your ghetto romance okay. on. Okay. Mm. Um, oh, I'll get I'll get um True to the Game Three. Yeah, good idea. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing the posters for that, Linda. Mm-hmm. Uh well if you want a free audiobook, go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash gay show. Is it that easy? That's it, Linda. You have to have a credit card. Though. Oh, I have I have a prepaid. Yeah, then <gasps> you are all set. Welcome to the future, Linda. Get out of that past and get in the future. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> It's been lovely. <laughs> it has been pre-recording these segments while on vacation. Hello, has been. Hi. I could be surfing Hello, right now, Linda. Da, do, da, ho, mo, 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 mo. I'm gonna. I'm actually, you guys. I'm actually. What I'm doing right now is I've moved to Hawaii and I'm working uh, with Hoku. Are you working with uh, Boshi and the Shark? Boshi and the Shark. Actually, I'm on that show, and I'm uh, doing an album with Hoku. Wow, amazing. Don Ho's daughter. That sounds great. <laughs> All right, my little gay babies, more best of gay pimping interviews next week. Yay! With us in the past, but now. In the future. Oh, y'all are done, travelers. Bye. Bye. Because New York City keeps bubbling up.